tonight we're starting a brand new series. And the series is called Goliath Must Fall. And I love, love the name of the series. It's not Goliath Should Fall. It's not Goliath Will Fall. It's Goliath Must Fall. And here's the deal. Whether you've like been to church before or you're like new to the whole God thing or maybe you're still trying to figure out what you think about Jesus, this series kind of applies to all of us because all of us know what it's like to face giants in our life. And this whole series is all about what it takes to defeat the giants in your life. Because chances are there's been a moment where you've been up against something that's bigger than you, it's better than you, it's smarter than you, and you don't really know how to defeat it. And maybe you feel like an underdog because like odds are against you, chances are you're not going to win. We all know, we all know what it feels like, right? We all know what it feels like to be an underdog. And this is especially true if you are like the youngest sibling, Do we have any like youngest siblings in the room? Let me see you. Yeah, hey, hold them up high and proud. I'm the youngest, okay? I'm the youngest in my family. I have two older brothers, David and Michael, and then obviously my parents. And so I am, I'm the youngest. And when you're the youngest, like you know that you're the underdog, right? Like at all times, you're the underdog. In fact, um, uh, you're always compared against your brothers or sisters. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, how come you can't be more like... Hey, she did this. Why aren't you doing that? Hey, he did this. How come you're not? And like, there's always comparisons and you always lose, right? Like you never win. And then if your family is anything like my family, we're really competitive. And so um, when we're really competitive and you have two older brothers, like they beat you all the time, right? And so my my, my, uh, older brothers always beat me no matter what. And then finally, when I like started to be competitive and I started to actually win some things, then if they didn't beat me, and then they just beat me up, right? Like, like those were the two options. Either we beat you or we beat you up. And so at all times, I was, I was the underdog. And that's just kind of the way things went. And that's why I was really good friends with a guy by the name of John Cleland. See, me and John grew up together, and John was also the youngest. And so we had that in common that we knew what it was like to be an underdog. In fact, his older brother and my oldest brother were like best friends as well. And so I don't know if this is true, but I imagine they got together and they started like trying to come up with different ways to like pick on the younger brothers, right? Because I think that's what older siblings do. Is that true? Do like older siblings get together? Yes, you do. Okay, and so that's what I thought they did. And me and John would get together, and we're just hanging out together, and we're like swapping notes on how to survive when you're the youngest. And there was this one occasion where we're hanging out at John's house, and John's older brother comes like walking by us. Now, here's the deal. Um, when you're the underdog, uh, you don't try to mess with other people, right? Because there's no way you're going to win, uh, and you know that. And so I'm minding my own business as an underdog normally does. And this guy, uh, his older brother, he starts walking by and then he stops right where I'm at. And then he looks like directly at me. And I don't know this, but I think he was able to like see into my soul. It was incredible. And so he, he like looked at me and then he said this, he said, what's that smell? Oh, what is that smell? And I immediately knew what he was talking about. And I started getting embarrassed because I knew something and he didn't know it, but I knew it and I knew exactly what he was talking about. But again, I'm super embarrassed. So I'm trying to like play it off like it's nothing. And I look at him, I'm like, what are you talking about? There's nothing. And then he looks again straight into my soul and he says, no, no, no. 
I smell something, and it's not over here, and it's not over here. It's like right here. There is something really bad. And he goes on and on describing how terrible the smell was. And I knew, I knew what he was talking about. Because, see, I got a little bit too comfortable with my best friend, John. So comfortable that I, uh, I made the mistake of taking off my shoes. And uh, beneath my shoes was an issue, and it was an issue that I was trying to manage on my own, and I was trying to protect it, and I didn't want anyone else to know about it. In fact, I'm a little scared to tell you about it because it is crazy embarrassing, but I struggled, okay? I struggled with something, and what I struggled with was this. I struggled with athlete's foot. I know, I know, and it's worse than you can imagine. It smelled so incredibly bad, and the worst part about athlete's foot is that I wasn't even an athlete. And yet I had athlete's foot. Like I didn't understand. I don't know why they call it that thing, but I'm telling you it was bad. And if you've never had it or you don't know what it is, let me just sum it up for you. Um, it smells really bad. It itches really bad and it looks really bad. I mean, it is like just the grossest thing on the planet. In fact, um, it, it's, and this is going to like make you not want to drink your Starbucks, but it, 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 uh, it's like, it's like a fungus on your feet. It's, it's, a, it's a foot fungus, okay? That's what it is. Athlete's foot is a foot fungus, and that's what I had, and that's what the smell was, and that's what he was talking about. And I was so embarrassed by it because I had been trying to, like, figure it out on my own. I had been trying to, like, work at it. I had been trying to, like, just, like, get rid of it on my own, but it seemed like the more and more and more I tried, nothing was getting any better. It was, like, it, was like, it was like this athlete's foot was like a giant, and I was the underdog, and there was no way I was going to overcome this athlete's foot. In fact, I, uh, after, after that little episode happened, um, I was like so mortified by my older or by my friend's older brother coming up to me that I tried to hide it, right? Because I was like, well, obviously, um, I, I got to hide this thing because it's like, this is nasty and I don't want anyone else to know about it. And so that means I, can, I can't wear sandals, okay? And I can't wear flip-flops and I definitely can't go barefoot, which means I got to make sure I wear shoes at all times, like, I always got to wear shoes. No matter what happens, I got to wear shoes. doesn't matter if it's like 100 degrees outside, I'm wearing shoes. I got to do it because I got this thing right here. Now, <laughs> here's the problem. Athlete's foot, it loves to grow in places that are dark and warm. And you know how to make your feet dark and warm? Put shoes on them, okay? It was the worst idea ever. And so the more I tried to hide it, the more this thing grew and it smelled even worse and it itched even worse and it looked even worse. And I was out of ideas. I was like, I don't know what to do. This thing is gross. It's terrible. So finally, finally, we went to the doctor. Like it got so bad that I had to go to the doctor because I was like, bro, I, like I don't know what to do with this athlete's foot. And the doctor was like an older guy. And when he came in, I think I think he was trying to make me feel better, you know? And so he's like traipsing in the room and he's all jolly. And then he looks at me and he goes, hey, <laughs> hey, we got a fungus among us. <laughs> and I was like, bro, just because you're rhyming doesn't make it any better. Like that is, like that's not helping me, man. I got an issue right here and I've been trying to defeat it on my own and it's not working. I've been trying to hide it, but that's definitely not working. In fact, it's actually making it grow. So I don't know what to do. I need help. And he introduced me to this right here, tea tree oil. Can we just like praise God for some tea tree oil up in this place? I'm all about tea tree oil. This stuff is powerful, man. It was so incredibly powerful. And the guy looked at me and he said, here's what you need to do. You need to put this stuff all over your feet, just all, all over the place, all over your feet. And it's not going to go away in a day. 
and it's not going to go away in like five days, but you got to keep applying it over and over and over and over and over and over again until finally, finally you get rid of the athlete's foot. And so I was like, I, I, I was out of options at this point. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll try it. And so every single day I put this stuff on. And then after about a week, it started to get better. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think it's working. And I kept putting this stuff on. And finally, after three weeks, after three weeks, it was gone, like completely gone. The athlete's foot was gone, like the athlete's foot must fall. And it did. And it was incredible. And I was foot fungus free. And I was so pumped about it. And I was done with shoes. I was like, forget shoes. I'm done with shoes. I'm going to wear sandals. I'm going to go barefoot. It's going to be incredible. I went over to John's house and I was like, hey, what's up, John's older brother? Smell my feet now. They're like roses, baby. I am foot fungus free. I was so stinking pumped to be done with it. Because there is no better feeling, there is no better feeling than when you're up against something that you don't think you could ever defeat, and then before you know it, that giant falls. There is nothing better than having a giant in your life fall. And all of us in this room, we know what it's like to have something kind of creep in a little bit. And at first, it's not that big of a deal. At first, maybe you don't even notice it. But then over time, it begins to take a foothold in your life. And before too long, before too long, you've got a giant and you don't know how to defeat it and you're overwhelmed. And maybe, maybe, maybe for you, the giant, maybe the giant is a temptation that you're struggling with. Maybe the giant is peer pressure that you're feeling, but there's something in your life and you never planned for it to be this big. And now you're looking at it and you have no idea how to make this giant fall. And you're wondering the whole time, what do I do? How do I do? In fact, this is, this is the question for tonight. The question is, what do you do? What do you do when your giant is bigger than you? What do you do when your giant is bigger than you? When you're facing something and you feel like the underdog, when you're face to face with your enemy and your enemy is far bigger than you can possibly imagine and you have no idea how to defeat it, what do you do? What do you do when your giant is bigger than you? And so here's what I want to do. I want to take a look at what I consider the classic underdog story. There's a story that you may know, but it's a story of an underdog facing a literal giant, and it's actually found in scripture. So we're going to look together at 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter 17, we're going to look at page uh, 284, and it's the story of David and Goliath. David and Goliath, page 284. And while you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit of a backdrop. So um, the people of God were known as the Israelites. So the people that followed after God, the people that loved God, the people that were all about God, the people that devoted their lives to God were called the Israelites. And the Israelites were at war with a country of the Philistines. And these Philistines didn't really care about God. In fact, they made fun of the Israelites' God, and they were constantly at war. In fact, for centuries and centuries, they were fighting with the Israelites. And then on this one particular occasion, the two nations are lined up, and they're lined up right at this valley. And on one side of the valley are the Philistines, and on the other side of the valley are the Israelites, the people of God. And they are locked in a war, and the battle lines have been drawn. And then before too long, a Philistine starts walking down into the valley, and that Philistine's name was Goliath. Goliath. And I want to tell you a little bit about Goliath. Um, Goliath was a Philistine, but he wasn't just any Philistine. He was a massive Philistine. He was a big, big, big Philistine. In fact, we found out that Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. Okay, it's a big boy. Now, some of you 
are like, oh, I got a friend, and he's like six foot six, and that dude is massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this guy is nine feet, nine inches tall. That is unbelievably massive. In fact, I think he's so massive that, that we need a better picture of what that actually looks like. And so some of you, again, you've got your, your friend, and he's really tall. But what you don't know is that Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. And so at nine feet, nine inches tall, if Goliath were to stand up on the stage, this is what Goliath would look like. So your buddy might be big, but he's not this big. Nine feet Nine inches tall. By the way, I'm 6'1", and when my nose comes up to someone's belly button, that guy is massive, okay? And that's Goliath. Nine feet, nine inches tall. This guy was massive. Some of your friends have to, like, duck when they walk through a door. He had to touch his toes to walk through a door, okay? He is massive. And so this is Goliath, the Philistine, who is nine feet, nine inches tall, but he wasn't just tall. See, because we know a lot of people that are tall, and maybe you've got some friends that are really tall, but they're tall and thin, and when you look at this tape measure, you're like, oh, well, I mean, that's tall, but that's no big deal. But he wasn't just tall and thin. No, he was tall, and he was big. He was massive. We don't have any measurements for how big his chest was, but we do know this. When most people went off to war, they wore like a coat of armor, and the coat of armor was usually between 30 and 40 pounds, which in and of itself is pretty big giant, right? Like you're wearing a t-shirt that's 30 or 40 pounds. That is amazing. Goliath, his coat of armor was 125 pounds. Okay. When I was in middle school, I weighed 125 pounds. Okay. And so Goliath is basically wearing a me on his back. That's how big this guy was. He was nine feet, nine inches tall with a Steve t-shirt just draped around him. This guy was huge and he wasn't just big and he wasn't just massive, but look, he issued, he issued a challenge and here's what he did. He walked down into the valley and he looked at all the Israelites, the people of God. And he said, Hey, our countries have been fighting long enough, right? We've been at war for centuries. How about we end it today? And here's how we're going to end it. Okay, you choose your best warrior. And instead of two nations fighting, how about two people fight? And if you win and you beat me and your best uh, person beats me, then we will become your slaves. But if I beat your best person, then you become our slaves and we will be the victors. Let's not have two countries fight. Let's just have two people fight. Oh, and by the way, I'm volunteering for the Philistine army. Okay, so who wants to face a nine foot, nine inch tall gorilla, just a giant person? And so that's what he did. And he started pointing at the Israelites. In fact, this is what he said. He did this. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy, I defy the armies of Israel. In fact, I'm not just going to call you out. I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to say your God's no good because he can't fight me. Our God is better than your God. Our nation is better than your nation because you're not going to fight me because I'm nine feet, nine inches tall. And so he says this, give me a man and let us fight each other. And this was the response. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul, who is the king of the Israelites, the king of the people of God, and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. <laughs> well, no kidding. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. Of course you would be terrified. And day after day after day, Goliath came down into the valley and said, who's going to come and fight me? Who's going to come and fight me? And day after day after day, the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. 
until, until a guy named David shows up. And especially for those of you that have heard the story of David and Goliath, maybe in your mind you have this picture of like David being this fierce warrior and he walks up and he's all like ready to fight someone. He's like, oh, come on, give me that Philistine. And he shows up and he's like, I'm ready to fight and that's why I'm here. I came to fight and kick some Philistine tail. It's going to be awesome. And I'm David and you should listen to me. But that is not at all how David came. See, David was an underdog. In fact, David was the youngest in his family. He had older brothers. He was so young, in fact, that all of his older brothers qualified to fight in the war. They were on the front lines of the Israelite army, but not David. He was too young. In fact, he was back home tending sheep. That's what he was doing. He was tending sheep and running errands for dad. And he came to the Israelite army not to start a war, not to fight Goliath. He actually came to deliver something. He delivered bread and cheese. Seriously. His dad sent him on an errand. He said, hey, David, you got a lot of older brothers and they're actually doing something for this nation. They're fighting for our country. So can you go give them some bread and cheese? Like, can you, can you please do that? Like, I know you're taking care of sheep and you're just a little nothing, but if you could just take them bread and cheese because they're probably getting hungry. And so he's off and he's just doing errands for dad. That's all he's doing. And so David shows up and he's got the chips and queso and he's like, hey guys, I got the food. I know you're hungry. Here you go. And then he hears Goliath and Goliath is down in the valley and he starts, he starts challenging the Israelites and he says, who's going to fight me? And then David with his food in hand looks around and he goes, cool. So like, it's so like, who's going to like, are you going or, or is he got like, who's going to, cause I mean, he's. He's talking about our country. So like who, obviously someone's going to go fight him. Who's going to go fight him? Are, was it you that was going to go fight? Like, and then finally his brothers, because older brothers love picking on younger brothers, his brothers actually got angry and they got upset at David because he was calling people out saying, well, obviously like God's going to win. So why don't you just go ahead and fight? How about, how about you go ahead and fight? And so this is what his oldest brother said. Uh, I just, I love this. If you didn't think there was sibling rivalry in the Bible, then you should read the Bible. It's all over the place. Okay. So Eliab, David's oldest brother, he said this, he asked, why have you come down here? In other words, David, what are you even doing here? And then he says this, uh, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Hey, cute little David. Hey, don't you have like three sheep to take care of? Shouldn't you just go do that? Like, like he starts making fun of David because he's tired of David. But David was not dismayed. David was not persuaded and he went up to Saul, the king of Israel. And this is what he said. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. In other words, don't worry. Your servant, me, I, David will go and fight him. Look, if no one else is going to fight him, I'll go and fight him. And this is what the king responded. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. Hey, David, that's really cute that you want to go do that. Time out. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. You're not able to defeat him. You don't stand a chance. And then he says this, you are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. In other words, when you were born, he was killing people. Okay. So he outranks you in height. He outranks you in weight. He outranks you in experience. David, you don't even stand a chance. And then look at how David responded. David said, your servant, I, have killed both the lion and the bear. Now, pause. That's awesome. 
I don't know if you have any friends that can claim, hey, I killed a lion and a bear. David did. Okay, he killed a lion and a bear. And then he said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. In other words, the same way I killed the lion and the bear, I'll just kill this guy because he has defied the armies of the living God. And then he goes on. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then the king said, go, the Lord be with you. Now, I don't know if you're like used to reading sarcasm in the Bible, but that's pretty sarcastic. In other words, here's kind of my version of it. Uh, He said, cool, God bless, (laughs) right? Like, hey, good luck, buddy. David's going to die. This is it. No, you got it, man. Go, you go get him. You bear killer, you, you got it, right? He's saying, there's no way. You don't stand a chance. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. But David went down to the valley. And as he started walking down to the valley, he sees Goliath and Goliath sees him. And Goliath gets upset because he says, really? This is who you sent. This is your warrior. He's a kid. He doesn't, I can't believe you would send this little kid to me. And then he starts cussing David out. In fact, in, 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 in scripture, it actually says that he calls him a dog, which for you may not seem like a big deal, but we have a word in our English language and it's like a female dog. So he like looks at David. He's like, you sent this little b- kid. Like, how could you send this kid to come and fight? Like, he doesn't even stand a chance. And he starts taunting him and he starts degrading him. And he says, this kid doesn't even stand a chance. And then David responds. And oh my gosh, do I love what David says. Now, before we show you what David says, uh, I'm a nerd. And if you didn't know that, then now you do. And here's what I used to do when I was a kid. I, I, I used to love watching like epic war movies or like epic like, oh, you know, um, those, those kind of movies. And whenever something awesome would happen, usually right before or right after a battle, then like the main character would say something so like just killer. And, uh, and I used to love that stuff so much that I would watch the movie and then I would rewind it and watch that part again and then rewind it and watch that part again and then I would memorize it because I'm a nerd. So for instance, there's a movie called Gladiator. Um, some of you may have seen it, or maybe your parents have talked about it, but there's this one part where like the gladiator, he takes off his helmet and he looks at like the bad guy and he says, my name is Maximus Decimus Morelius, <laughs> loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And I'm like, yeah. So if I ever like, if I ever, you know, didn't run away from a fight, that is what I would say to that person, even though my name isn't Maximus Decimus Morales. And so what David said to this Philistine is way cooler than that. In fact, it's so cool that I memorized it too, because I think it's amazing. This is what David said. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. And all the people, all those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or spear that the Lord saves because the battle is the Lord's and he will deliver you into our hands. Uh, Right? Like, that is it, man. Like, if you're going to go to war, if that doesn't fire you up, I just don't know what will because that is unbelievable. So sure enough, Goliath got so upset that David was saying all these awesome things. So he starts charging at David. David sidesteps him and he grabs a stone and a sling and he launches the stone into the forehead of Goliath and Goliath falls to the ground. 
Goliath has been defeated and the armies of Israelites start celebrating and they're like, this is incredible, we won. And then the Philistines start running away and they are terrified and David is the victor. And we hear stories like this and we get so inspired and we get so like just amped up. And this is usually the thought that we have. We think, oh my gosh, I need to defeat the giants in my life. David defeated Goliath. So I need to defeat the giants in my life. Because I got these things that I need to get rid of, right? Like I got this temptation and it started off as not that big of a deal, but now I'm struggling and I need to defeat that giant in my life. And maybe for you, the giant is lust. Maybe it's you're watching things online that you shouldn't be watching. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's going too far with your boyfriend or too far with your girlfriend. And it started off as a small thing and now it's taken a foothold and now it's a giant in your life. And you hear the story and you think, David defeated Goliath so I can defeat this giant. Or maybe, maybe for you, the giant is your relationship with your mom or your relationship with your dad. Because it seems like no matter what, like no matter what happens, you always blow up and you always get angry and you always get upset. And it seems like that relationship will never be good. And it's just this big giant in your life. And you think I need to defeat the giants in my life. Or maybe, maybe for you, it's peer pressure. Maybe you got a giant of peer pressure where all your friends are saying you need to smoke weed or you need to drink or you need to come to this party. And it just feels like a giant and you don't feel like you can defend it. You don't feel like you can beat it. And then you hear the story and you think, oh my gosh, I need to defeat the giants in my life. David defeated Goliath. I can do this. I can defeat the giants in my life. But here's the issue. And this is actually in your notes. The issue is you are not able to defeat the giant. You are not able to defeat the giant. And we hear the story of David and Goliath and we think that we're going to be the ones that defeat the giant. But the truth is you are not able to defeat the giant. In fact, this is what Saul said to David and David did not disagree. Saul said, you to David are not able. You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight. He's nine feet, nine inches tall. David, you might be six foot tall, probably even shorter than that. You don't stand a chance. And the same is true for you. When you think about that giant, when you think about that temptation, when you think about that thing in your life that's bigger than you, you are not able to defeat the giant in your life. In fact, some of you know this because you've tried. Some of you have made a promise to God that you couldn't keep. Some of you like swore that you would never do that again and then you fall back into that temptation. Some of you even went as far as maybe you're trying to like read a book or you're trying to talk to someone, but it seems like that giant keeps coming back in your life. And maybe you would even complain to me and say, Steve, I've tried. I've tried to defeat that giant in my life. And I can't. And I would agree with you. You are not able. You are not able to defeat the giants in your life. And some of you, after realizing this, here's what you do. You hide. You hide that giant. You ignore that giant. You try to pretend like that giant doesn't exist. 
And so you come here, and then you're so excited to be here, and you raise your hands in worship, and you sing to God, and all the while, there's a nine-foot, nine-inch giant in your life, and you're just trying to ignore it because you're trying to focus on God, and you don't want to think about that giant, so you're just going to pretend like it doesn't exist, and then day after day, that giant defeats you, and you're just trying to ignore it, hoping it'll get better over time. Like, maybe I just need to wait a little bit, and then the giant will go away on its own. But just like the athlete's foot, the more you try to hide something, the more it grows. In fact, hiding your giants, hiding your giants only makes them grow. The more you try and convince yourself that you got it all together, the more you try and convince yourself that you don't actually struggle, the more that you try and convince yourself, I don't actually have a giant, I don't actually have a temptation, uh, there's nothing wrong, I'm fine, everything is good, and I'm showing up here, and I'm thumbs up, and I'm smiling, and after all, the whole reason we're here tonight is because we got it all together, right? And so Steve's got it all together, I've got it all together, my life group leader has it all together, so we're just a bunch of people that have it all together. And so you try and hide it, but here's what happens. When you hide it, and when you try to convince other people that there's not actually a giant, that giant keeps growing. You're feeding that giant by hiding it. And so if you can't defeat your giant, and if hiding it only makes it grow, then what do you do? Right? I mean, this was the question that we asked earlier. What do you do when your giant is bigger than you? What do you do when you don't stand a chance and you can't defeat it and you can't hide it? What do you do? And see, David, David actually knew what to do. And we've already seen it, but you might have missed it. So I want to go back over just a few of the verses that we already looked at. Here's the first one. When he was talking to Saul, the king, he said this. He said, the Lord, not me. It was the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And it's the Lord who will rescue me from this Philistine. It's not me. It's not armor. It's not trying really hard. It's the Lord. And then he goes on when he was actually given that awesome speech. This is what he said. He was looking at Goliath. And he said, this day, the Lord will deliver you. The Lord will deliver you, not me, not I'm going to deliver you. It's the Lord that will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down. And then he goes on and he says, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. It's not me that saves, it's the Lord saves. And the battle is the Lord's. And he, he is the one that's going to give you into our hands. God's going to do it. In other words, your giants are defeated by God's power, not willpower. Your giants are defeated by God's power and not willpower. It's not about trying really hard and I got to just keep working at it. And I got this giant. I need to try and defeat it on my own. And maybe if I work really hard and maybe if I like just, you know, try and I just keep trying and then one day the giant will fall. No, 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 no. Your giants are defeated by God's power. And David knew that. And that's why in everything he said, he said, the Lord's going to do this and the Lord will do this. And I've seen the Lord do this because it's God's power, not my power. In fact, we call this the story of David and Goliath. And oftentimes we think David is the one who defeated Goliath. But David didn't defeat Goliath. God did. It was God who defeated Goliath. In fact, I think a better title for the story is God and Goliath. God and Goliath. And when you frame it that way, see, when you're, when you're six feet tall and you're up against an enemy that's nine feet, nine inches tall, you don't stand a chance. 
But I don't care how big your giant is. When he's up against God, that giant doesn't stand a chance. Not at all. And so you can try all you want and you can raise your hands all you want and you can really mean it all you want. But ultimately, it's not your willpower. It's God's power that actually defeats the giant's in your life. And when you make that switch from, I got to try really hard and I got to work extra and I got to make sure to God, I need you to do this to God. I need you to defeat this giant. God, I need you to show up in this area of my life. God, I need you to help me with this temptation. Everything changes. And so the question for you tonight is this, what is your giant that must fall? What is your giant that's got to fall? Because maybe for you, you've been trying for a long time. And you've, you've, you've read some books and you've talked to some people and you've, you've come up with your own little plan for how I'm going to defeat this giant and it's not working. And maybe you've been trying to defeat lust. But the more you try to defeat it, it seems like the worse it gets. Or maybe you're trying to solve everything with your parents on your own. But it's not helping. Or maybe for some of you, you've just given up fighting, so you're just resigned to, I'm going to hide my issue. I'm going to convince everyone around me. I'm going to convince my life group leader. I'm going to convince all my friends that I don't have any giants, that I don't have any issues. But everyone has giants. So what is your giant? What is your giant that must fall? And maybe tonight the best thing for you to do is simply write down what that giant is. Maybe this is the first time you've actually admitted that this whole time you've had a nine foot, nine inch giant and you've been carrying him around and he's been defeating you every step of the way. And maybe tonight is the first time that you actually acknowledge him and you say, I do have a giant and that giant is bigger than me and I don't even stand a chance against that giant, but that giant is not bigger than God. And so there is a way for that giant to be defeated, but it's not by my willpower. It's by God's power. And maybe tonight is the night that you begin a conversation with your Savior where you ask him to defeat it instead of you trying to defeat it. Because see, David was the predecessor of Jesus. And Jesus, when he died on the cross, defeated all of your giants once and for all. So that forever you would know that it's not by your willpower, but it's by God's power that your giants can be defeated. So what are the giants? What are the giants of temptation? What are the giants of peer pressure that tonight you would ask God to defeat? Let me pray for you. God, I love these students. And I know, and I remember how big those giants seemed. And I remember day after day after day after day trying to defeat them on my own and it just not working. And I would get so frustrated and sometimes, God, I would even be angry with you because it seemed like no matter how hard I tried to defeat the giants, I couldn't. And I pray that tonight a student, even if just one student, would recognize that there are giants in their life. They don't need to hide them anymore and that that giant can be defeated. But it's not by our power. It's not by willpower. It's by God's power. You have to do this for us. God, we don't stand a chance against these giants. None of us. And so we ask tonight, 
that first you would clarify for each of these students what is the giant that needs to fall. And I pray that you would give them the courage to write it down. And maybe tonight their only prayer to you is, God, I'm struggling. And that's okay. Maybe that's where things need to begin. Or maybe for other students, they've known where they're struggling. They're not trying to hide it. They've just been trying to do it on their own. And maybe tonight would be the night that they begin a conversation with you and actually ask you to help. I pray that you would do that for them. Would you meet them where they are, please? And would you defeat the giants in their life? We only ask this because Jesus already did this. And so I pray that uh, as we sing this next song, that this wouldn't be uh, just a song that we sing where we know the words and, you know, it's a, it's a fun song and it's a good song. I pray that these, the, the lyrics of this song would just sink deep into our hearts. When we say to you, maybe tonight would be the night that we actually mean it. When we say, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. That God, I need you to lead me. I need you to defeat these giants because I'm done trying to fight on my own. Would you do that for these students tonight, please? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.